Welcome to the Casting the Net podcast, where New York's fishers of men, your parish priests, will share the joy of the priesthood by telling how Jesus got into their boats, called them to leave behind their old lives, and follow him, casting a new net for the salvation of souls. Hi, everyone. I'm Father Michael Connolly, and you're listening to Casting the Net, a New York Priest podcast. And today, we have a priest who is a priest in New York, who is not uh, appearing on the New York Priest website because he's not a priest of the archdiocese in, in the uh, diocesan sense, but he uh, shares in this beautiful vocation of ours. And um, he has a, a very rich and fruitful ministry here in our community, and he's a good friend. And we're very blessed to have today Father Eric Lenhart. So, Father Eric, welcome. Okay, well, thank you. And am I your first religious religious guest? You are. Okay, well, I'm delighted and flattered and even like a little surprised. I, I remember last summer you were, I think we were kind of planning this podcast and you've been talking about, yeah, I interviewed some some priests from the area. And I, I think I was like pretty much joking, like, yeah, and how about some religious priest? And, and, uh, so if that pressured you, sorry, I was just kind of, no, <laughs> no, not at all. It's such a, a, a this vineyard of the Lord has uh, many grapes, right? <laughs> and That's um, way to put it. just the the way in which we can share in the same priesthood, but in different ways. Um, as I mentioned, so I'm a diocesan priest for for our listeners who maybe aren't quite sure about the distinction. Um, sometimes they'll see me in my cassock, and and it looks a little different from what they're used to, and they'll say, "Oh, Father, which order are you? The order of Melchizedek, <laughs> you know, the order of Peter." Um, that's right. Yes. And, uh, but the question comes about because there are other priests and, and, uh, brothers who wear the habit as you do the Brown Franciscan habit and, um, follow St. Francis. And I'm going to let you kind of give a little window into all that. Uh, you'll be much better than I, but first father, would you, would you start us off here with a prayer? Surely will. In the father and of the son of the Holy spirit. Amen. This is the, the prayer of St. Felix of Cantalice, who is the first Capuchin saint in the 1500s. Very simple prayer, but I love it. Jesus, 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 take our hearts and never let them go. Amen. Beautiful prayer. Isn't that cool? Yeah. St. Felix like of that. Cantalice. I'm going to remember that. Super simple. You know what else I like about that? His name means happy. Felix, yeah, good old Sin, Felix. He was happy. happy. He was kind yeah. of a he was a, a 15th century, you know, counter-reformation kind of saint mm. and he was a, a quester. He went around in the streets of Rome. He and Philip Neri were friends. Oh, you can't go wrong with that. Good buddies. Yeah. And I was would, ordained on Philip Neri's feast day. What day is that? May 26th. Okay. I was uh, ordained on the feast of Anthony of Padua. Oh, way to go! Yep. All right, the good another good Franciscan. And that day was all, that year. It was also the uh, Immaculate Heart of Mary, which is like a, a traveling Saturday. Oh, you know? Okay, yeah. Um, so that happened to kind of coincide. So the stars align. I kind of get two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I get an octave. <laughs> That's well. So you celebrate your ordination anniversary every first Saturday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Father Eric, thank you so much for, for joining. And um, like I said, I actually would like to start, if you don't mind, 
um, giving us a little window into the life of a, of, of a religious priest. Maybe people tend to think of the priesthood as simply the priest in their parish, and certainly there are many religious priests who do serve in parishes, but there is a, a difference. And um, if you wouldn't mind, you know, give First us. First, I want to say thanks because um, this is a dream come true for me. Oh. I I ha always had this idea that I think I'd be a good podcast guest. So, a dream come true. Well, so far, so good. But B also humbling because I know it takes like ten thousand hours to get good at this. Like you're, you know, you've had some experience. <laughs> oh, so I know it's going to be. Like a dream come true and a shattered dream, <laughs> which is the worst That's title coincidentally ever. the title of my memoir. <laughs> <laughs> which would be a, a great, horrible title for a vocation mm. podcast. But uh, I, I love this kind of – I love this form of media, you know, yeah. the conversation, and I think it's so cool. I, so I'm grateful to you for the invitation. Um, what was the question you asked? What was the life of a of a, of a religious priest and particularly a Franciscan? Yeah. Um, I can tell you the life of a religious priest. Sure. You know, um, I'm, so many. Um, our our life is probably has a lot a lot in common with with most people, and especially clergy and and sisters and brothers. It's a, a life of of prayer and penance and ministry. Hmm. And in between those times, we have meals, we eat together, and so I guess a little little snapshot of my day. Um, uh, we have our we have mass together at. No, I'm sorry, we have morning prayer at 7, and then we have Mass at 7.30, so a little, little space in between for meditation, and then we have midday prayer at noon, and um, I, I'm lucky, our our community at St. Lawrence is, I, I'm, praise God, we do a pretty good job with prayer, a lot of those guys mm -hmm. are in their 80s, even a couple of their 90s, yeah. so we're talking, you know, accumulated centuries of, of life of prayer, and and so they're they're living what we call the regular life, you know, they're, they're very much about you know, these regular hours. So, uh, you know, morning mass, daytime prayer, and then evening prayer, we pray together. And we have kind of an informal night prayer, um, it, kind of a nine o'clock-ish guys mm -hmm. will kind of show up or might be hanging out a little bit or saying, hey, you want to do night prayer? It's almost nine and we'll do it together. But it's not, the entire community does not gather at nine o'clock. It's right. kind of an informal thing. And then, um, and also there's kind of meals around that time. We have I live with 20 other friars um, and it's a retirement home. It's a, you know, it's a convalescence home. It's mm -hmm. a retirement home in St. Lawrence and Beacon. And so not every house is like that. We have like right. breakfast, lunch and dinner, you know, some guys are, you know, I'll have a coffee or something or maybe a quick bite for lunch. And then like supper is like the main meal. But uh, this particular house is like pretty blessed. We have this nice kind of meal and prayer schedule and, and uh, most of these guys are retired. You know, some of them have, been missionaries for like 50 years in the Pacific mm -hmm. Islands oh, wow. and um, Father Joe was in, in Kenya for a long time and even has like a, a nickname from that that time. I'll, I'll probably say it wrong. It's like Masumbiku, which means he who suffers. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so I'm like sitting on a treasure trove of, of wisdom. And I think that's like one of the great gifts, the charisms of of religious life is like I said, there's 20 guys who have had, they've been a friar for a long time that I've been alive. So they're just sitting on treasure of wisdom and example and, you know, living through Vatican II and, and you know, seeing the church change over the past, you know, 50, 60 years. It's just, I feel like I have access to so much wisdom, like mm -hmm. at my supper table. Wow. Um, 
in particular, the Franciscan charism. I mean, I, I, when Solanus Casey was beatified, I went out there to Detroit in um, November of 2017. Huge deal for us, huge deal for the American church to uh, have a, a, someone who was born in this country uh, be beatified. And especially in Detroit, he's huge. Like everyone, yeah. like everyone's grandmother has a Solana story, you know, in, in Detroit, uh, my own included. And, uh, and so I went out there and I was thinking, wow, you know, I'm, this is so cool. I'm part of this order as if I had like anything to do with, <laughs> <laughs> with like the history of the Capuchins, you, you know, and, and, and I just, the Lord kind of said, well, if you want to, if you want to be in the, the same order as you know, Solanus Casey and Felix of Cantalese and Padre Pio, you got to pray like them. You know, you got to be for real. You can't just kind of, you know, have the external features of it without the internal heart of it. And so that was like a great blessing of that. I was like, okay, this is, this is, there's a reason he became a saint, you mm-hmm. know, his prayer life, his fraternity, his heart, you know, he had given to the Lord, even all the setbacks he had. So it's kind of a long-winded answer, I guess, to a simple question of we pray, we eat, we serve, we, yeah. we minister. Um, yeah. Well, beautiful. And it's such a, a, a beautiful life grounded in, in that prayer, you know, your communion with God and communion with each other, your, your, your community there. Um, you've you've professed vows sometimes people will think that we diocesan priests have made vows splitting hairs here technically no we've we've made solemn promises but it's different from the vows that are made by a religious right and you have uh, your simple profession and and solemn uh, final profession all that um the evangelical councils chastity poverty obedience it it's a radical life uh, one which I, I have such respect for and and uh, and gratitude for, right? You build us up by having you. I, I think of our our holy religious are like uh, Aaron and her, you know, holding up the the hands of of Moses as he prays. And um, hmm. but you're Moses too. You're the ones praying to. <laughs> so are we. We're praying too, everyone. You're, you're <laughs> <laughs> I promise. But um, just beautiful. I mean, the same these good holy lay people in our communities you see how if you are living holiness according to your state in life you're you're holding up the church big time yeah it's a big time thinking about the holy laity that we've encountered in our parishes because so inspiring yeah Um, so inspiring and you see them you say you know what i want to be a better priest for them. I, I want to be, be half of what they think I am. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you know? Gosh, that would be something, huh? But um, you see what these people do, how they live such holy lives. Say, okay, I can I can do a little better here too. Uh, I got it, It's good. It's just a good kind of call to holiness and imitation of Christ. Each in our own way, each according to the, the state and life God has given us. But so what a joy to have a holy Franciscan friar with us today. (laughs) Um, So before we move on to your story, because that's that's ultimately why we're here. We want to hear how did God call Father Eric Lenhart to be a a Capuchin friar and and ultimately a priest. Um, But before that, I'd I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, bring up and, and ask you about this it's great experience that we just had. So folks listening to this podcast know that I'm at St. Mary's in Wappingers Falls now in residence um, along with, with our community, not a Franciscan community, but a, a priestly community nonetheless. 
here of a couple of priests and and our good Bishop Colachico. Um, but we have just had the, the great joy of hosting CLASP, um, which is uh, a summer camp, a, a Catholic summer camp that you run. Um, I'm going to ask you to tell us about it rather sure. than my own poor attempt at, at, at summarizing it. So, Father, tell us about CLASP. Sure. CLASP stands for Catholic Literature and Arts Summer Program. Um, I thought about it having it in the winter, and it'd be like mm. CLOP, but I didn't, it didn't sound <laughs> cool. So. But the uh, Catholic Literature and Arts Summer Program is in its fifth year. We started with Solanus Casey, actually. We had a play mm. about Solanus, and I, I, think, I think that's where we, we might have first met, actually. Yes, I remember that play. Um, I didn't realize that was the first one. It was. 2018, we did Solanus. We did Ruth in 2019. Then 2020 had like a virtual kind of online yeah. short film kind of camp to do something in that time. And last year, we had like three short plays, uh, Full of Grace about the Blessed Mother, Carlo Acutis, and Zacchaeus, mm. a short musical. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is the first time we've done it here. And we were so happy yeah. uh, here. We had it, we we're at Mount Alvernia. For our for breakfast, for supper, and for mass, and uh, thanks again for joining us for that. Oh, sure, that was a blessing. And we had a couple of talks throughout the week, mm -hmm. you know, on, on spiritual topics. And then we would come down here, and the gym auditorium here is awesome. It's yeah. so well kept. Yeah. Air conditioning was like essential, and it held up because we were running it at a high. Level. I've never felt it that that cool. It was really comfortable because it was one of the things that okay. School gym, middle of summer, here we go. It's going to be hot. I was imagining <laughs> that. I was getting ready to like give the kids pep talks. Like, yeah. okay, we're we're like the in the desert, like the Israelites, you know. <laughs> we're journeying to the promised land. It was very comfortable. It was awesome. And the, yeah. the kitchen, we had our, our lunches here too. Mm -hmm. And super like well-kept kitchen. So we're really grateful. Tons of hospitality uh, given to the, the men here. So we're grateful to you for that. And for Darcy as well, she was super helpful with the Darcy's keys, great. and yeah. she like gently reminded me downstairs. She's like, "Oh, by the way, when you have a chance, mm -hmm. you know, return the key." I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, I would she's be cracking like, the whip." There. I'd be like this, like, "Hey, buddy, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a week. Return it." So super, super good people here, and um, yeah. So answer your question, clasp is. Um, I tell people it's a theater camp. It's not really true. Hmm. It's a retreat. Yeah, and uh, what I've discovered is sometimes it's easier to have young people, um, if you don't say like, come on this spiritual encounter retreat, that can be a tough sell for many, yeah. but you say, Hey, you know, it's a theater camp. And, but we have like a lot of the elements of a retreat talks about living your faith as a young person. We had one on theology, of the body, we had one on, on spiritual writing and journaling. Um, we have a lot of like retreat topics and then mass every day, adoration, confessions. I was on Thursday this year. Um, so opportunities for sacraments and, uh, but huge theater component too. And, um, so every, every year we, we've been really like, like, God has blessed us with enough imagination and creativity to create a new play that didn't exist previous to that. And with music and yeah. And know. that's uh, the coolest thing too. And so you write these plays, people right, say that the, I, I have a lot of help. I, 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 yeah. I am a part of the creative team, but. Well, uh, a lot of help. And and the music, if I remember, does Linda Moore write the music? She arranges. Or, okay. She and I work together. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, here's what happens. We'll be sitting like this, you yeah. know, and I'll say, how about something like this? Jonah, whoa, ho, ho. And she'll be like, all right. And she like writes little harmonies for yeah. her and stuff. Yeah. So I'll kind of like, 
she's doing the the yeoman's work. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of like spouting a little melody and she's like, okay, well, how about this and these chords? So um, she's really essential to the, the yeah. music. I mean, just the fact that we have these original productions happen. I mean, that doesn't happen very much. <laughs> That's really, I have a little cool. dream. I have like a little dream. It, it, who knows, you know, what the Lord's going to do, but I would love to see Catholic schools maybe be interested in doing something yeah. like we're doing. And um, right now we have four musicals and like some short ones too. And I kind of want to make a little catalog for yeah. schools that would be interested in, in doing something that is biblical, spiritual, yeah. faith. You, you know, know, instead of doing Les Mis for the 10th time, right? That's a great show. Nothing against Les Mis. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's not the best example. But <laughs> but as you were saying earlier, like when you do a show, and you know this from your theater experience, mm. that, those songs are with you till you die. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. All week I've been going, Jonah. Whoa. <laughs> so speaking of that, um, maybe tell us a little bit about this production uh, this summer. Um. Yeah, we did Jonah and the Prophets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, that was very clever. And really some, sometimes good. when you write these things, like the title is the first thing, and you're like, okay. Yeah. Now I got to make this work. I, I got to like support that title. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, this is super, super easy. We'll just get three backup singers, like a Trinitarian kind of thing, yeah. and, and they'll be like the prophets who speak for God. Because that's always, that's always a tricky thing. I really want to do a play on Job. Mm. Uh, I, I know I don't have the skill now because Job – in scripture has the Lord speaking from a storm cloud, like in long paragraphs, like, and not much, not much action in Joe. It's like, well, how do you represent that? So anyway, this is very easy. Cause okay. You have a couple lines, go to Nineveh, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I was like, I can, I can pull this off with the prophets. And um, so yeah, the prophets spoke for God and, and that was kind of like the core. I was like, okay, well that, that's, that's such a great idea. <laughs> I think, yeah. you know, so the songs kind of flowed from that. And I got that idea in January. I was, I was flying out to, where's I going? Novitiate. Um, I can't remember where I was going. somewhere for a retreat for like the friars. And, um, I watched on the airplane, the way home, this, uh, documentary called 16 feet from stardom about backup singers. Hmm. Super interesting. Huh. Um, about like Ray Charles, you know, and all these backup singers and, I was like, wow, this is perfect. Like the prophets. It hit yeah. me like prophets. I was like, all right, well, we got it. We got it. Just everything's all about yeah. the prophets. And um, and Jonah is such a good story. Like yeah. I, I love a like a show that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it has clarity, <laughs> you know. And so like Ruth was a great one for that too. Like beginning, middle, and an end. Um, and so Jonah, awesome story. I'm still thinking about like what it means, you know, and in my own life being like called, resisting, ending up in a different place, doing different things with different people than I thought I would do. So Jonah's kind of a personal for me too, you know, in scripture. So mm. I love it because when once I decide to do like Ruth or Solanus or Jonah, I have to really search, you know, those biographies or those texts and those commentaries to like understand what I'm trying to depict. Mm. So that's been like a gift to kind of dive deep into these Right. Four and chapters. What a fruit of this, of this project too, for you, for the kids that you're, you're putting on a show, right? Like you said, maybe that's going to sort of get them in the door. Oh, that would be fun. I, I could get into that, but you're, you're really making these beautiful friends in heaven. You're learning the lives of these saints and, and uh, it's hard not to 
pray more deeply and, and, and just meditate on these stories. And, um, it becomes that sort of personal experience and, and encounter. That's what we're going for. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I like the situation we're in with class because I, even failure is success. Yeah. And that's a kingdom kind of thing. So let's say even, let's say it might happen. Who knows where the show doesn't go well. Everyone forgets their lines. You know, we screw up the light, all the things that can go wrong. So what? Yeah. These youth and myself came into deeper contact with the word of God, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and the, the show is almost like, you know, not so ancillary to the whole project, right. you know, and, right. um, for the youth, it is. It's like the carrot, you know, like, okay, guys, we got to learn this line because like, you know, but for me, it's like, hey, here we are praying together, you know, talking about the word of God, you know, sharing, you know, our, our faith together, you know, having mass, praying. So like, but by Wednesday, I've already kind of won, you know, my, right. what I think the Lord's given us to have as the goal. So yeah, thanks for asking about class. Sure. It's, it's been a great blessing. Yeah. Um, I want to pitch my idea too. I, I mentioned to you, you know, when, uh, when at, after the play, but um, you're going to capitalize on on this podcast stuff, and yeah. uh, I, I can just see it now. Class presents the Bible in a play with Father Matt Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it at quadruple speed. And... Yeah, and you just you know have somehow cram all of Scripture into one play, and uh, have a ridiculous scene of something super Old Testamenty, and uh, then they all pause in a tableau and. The Father Matt Schwartz <laughs> character comes out and says, oh, gosh, you guys, man, oh, what a gift. What a gift. What a gift. Wow. Okay, so you got – So much to talk about. So much. <laughs> you know, I think you're half joking, but you're half serious. Oh, I'm like what, what three if, quarters serious. And What if you did it like this? <laughs> what you see in the audience is behind the scenes. So it's just costume changes. <laughs> it, I love that idea for a play. I had this like yeah. idea for a play. It didn't really go anywhere in my mind, but – it was called like backstage apparition. Mm. And the, the, the premise is the blessed mother is like going, you know, Fatima, Lords, oh <laughs> you know, wherever. Um, and so it's backstage. She's like changing yeah, Guadalupe. Yeah. And she oh. like explains that what she's wearing to the angels mm. and stuff. And I thought it'd be a cute one for like maybe middle school or like yeah, high school, yeah. maybe not, but, uh, but I'm thinking like that, like get them into it's all backstage, yeah. you know, it's the all like the scenes. I always thought they'd be a cool idea. I think there's a noises off. I think it's like a show like that where okay. it's, I think the audience sees backstage. Yeah. I think that's a cool idea for a show, but, uh, all right, let me, let's, let's think about this. <laughs> I think it'd be easy too. Cause if you just had one person reading a script, it'd be a very easy, like setup, you yeah, know? And yeah. I'm always thinking of ways like, how can I make this more simple? Cause well, we do it in five days. Right. Um, so I, I like what you just pitched cause it's a very simple premise, you know, cause you have the guy talking you can just read, so you don't not like have. It's not memory. It's not heavy on the memorizing. And of, you just you know the, the 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 Father Mike Schmidt's character comes out with his Bible and he's the narrator. And I'm not being paid by Ascension Presents, by the way, in order to uh, pitch this. But um, if they're listening, you know, we'll like, we'll, Assumption we'll, Presents. We'll talk. We'll, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Oh gosh! And what if we had all right? So man, oh man! Oh. You want to push this metaphor a little further? What if we had like a Robert Barron parody, who comes mm. in with like really cool music? Like, <laughs> who would he's be with you, <laughs> friends in in today's go? Anyway, and he uses like a Latin Bishop word Barron. for no reason, you know. <laughs> you know, side side note. Speaking of Bishop Barron, just I'm going to put this out there. 
things that we didn't, don't expect to happen. This blew me away. In my first year as a priest, um, I thought, because I'm ridiculous, right? So I said, you know, it's Halloween. I can't just let that go by. Mm. So I made a little video. It used to be I, like I a, a triduum, a, didn't it? It used to be like <laughs> part of a little triduum. Yeah. I, um, I, I made this poster board, you know, YouTube screen thing that I held up in front of my face. And I did a, a Bishop Barron video you know, for, for our parish Facebook page. And, uh, so they posted that and then Bishop Barron's Facebook page shared it. And he Whoa. said, uh, you know, friends, I think we have a winner for this year's best Halloween costume. And it reached like 90,000 people like saw the St. Columba Facebook. Where's page. your gold, so uh, <laughs> where's your gold YouTube button? <laughs> oh my gosh. So, um, I don't know what my point is because you, oh, because you said Bishop Barron. So now I'm just showing off, but well, yeah, he's an incredible uh, evangelist. Yeah. These are things that, uh, yeah, maybe our, 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 our kids can engage with. And I just, to bring us back full circle, right. All of this is to say that I think what you're doing with clasp is a really unique, a really creative and, and a really just a beautiful ministry, you know, I, you mentioned I, we've talked about, and I don't know that anyone who's listened to this podcast would know. I don't think I've brought it up before, but um, musical theater became a big part of of my growing up, my teenage years, and high school and college. And um, you know, that kind of thing really can speak to a kid. Say, like, look, you maybe you're an introvert, or maybe you're shy, or maybe you're super out there and social and all that, but how much of that is real or how much of that is, you know, kind of putting up a front and, and uh, I think we all have experienced like holding back, especially in our teenage years, right? I'm going to hold back kind of the core of who I am because of that fear of rejection or fear of I'm not going to be good enough or they're not going to like me or make fun of me, all that kind of stuff that is so real for teenagers. And I think theater has just a the perfect way of giving that kid some confidence and by portraying someone else really kind of coming into his or her own and, and uh, you're tapping into that. And I just think that's so awesome. So thank you for doing that. And um, I, I hope to, to be able to dive in a little more with you next year. I know this, this year, a lot going on this summer and all, but, but if you'll have me, I hope to, to jump in with you and, and uh, we would certainly yeah. have you and our tentative dates right now are, are July 30th to August 5th. We usually hit that first week of August. Okay. So folks, you heard it here. If you're, if you got kids interested in this type of thing, you know, keep your eyes peeled for more about next summer. That is the same week as world youth day, but I'm, so I'm thinking about that too. Yeah. I haven't quite finalized yet, but I'm, I'm thinking that week is going to be our week. And uh, I want to book it here again. This is, this is so good. Yeah. Great. Well, let's take a, a short break and we'll be right back to hear from Father Eric Lenhart how God has called him to be a Franciscan, a priest, and a Franciscan priest. <laughs> let's take a moment now to pray to the Blessed Virgin Mary for the intentions of deceased, living, and future priests. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
And now back to the show. We are back with Father Eric Linhart. And Father Eric, I've done a lot of talking now. I am going to stop. Well, I'm going to try to stop, but I you know me. you've done so the appropriate gonna... <laughs> amount of talking. The perfect amount, really. <laughs> but uh, we, are, we are waiting with bated breath now to hear the story, uh, the origin story of Father Eric Lenhart. So without further ado, Father Eric, your vocation okay. story. Well, um, one of the, the phrases I hear a lot, you know, just in secular discourse is check your privilege. Mm. I think that's kind of a, you know, secular way to say examine your blessings um, in a snarky kind of form, yeah. you know, but uh, I, I've i been thinking about, you know, like the tons of blessings and privileges and gifts I, I was given at a very young age and and definitely foremost is my faith and, and going to St. Mary's School in Hagerstown, Maryland from kindergarten, eighth grade. I, I was lucky. I We had Sister Margaret, Sister Corda, Sister Maria Goretti, and Sister Rain. We had four sisters there, and they were SSNDs, mm. School Sisters of Notre Dame. And these ladies knew how to run a school. Of all the schools I've been to, you know, Boston College, West Point, University of Scranton, my high school in North Hagerstown, good high school. This school has had such a profound impact on me. It was there I learned how to pray. Mm. I was part of Our Lady's Prayer Group after school, run by Mrs. Bender, who was our gym teacher slash librarian. Okay. Catholic school budgets. Yeah, interesting combo. Um, but I learned how to pray. Late fees were actually push-ups. And, and Hail Marys. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but um, that school was such a good school. And, and I have friends that went to that school too that were still friends. And we talk about it sometimes. Like, that was, in retrospect, I've come to appreciate how good that school was. Um, I'm actually, I'll probably visit it uh, next week, or at least the parish where hmm. the school uh, resides. I'm going home for a little vacation time. But that that for me is like, okay, at this school that my, my parents, you know, we were you know, kind of middle class growing up, but for some reason they made this decision to send me to this um, this school. I think my mom had friends who their kids were going to the school, and so that, that influenced her. And uh, and that that was just such a profound thing. I, I learned who the Lord was. I you know, I the Lord nurtured the seed at my baptism. And so I look back at that time and it was just a really blessed time. Good friends I still have. I, I got at St. Mary's. And Mrs. Bender uh, told me, I think in third or fourth grade, I'm praying for your vocation. Mm. <laughs> and I think my reaction was like, no thanks, you know, <laughs> for a long time. And, now, did you know at that point what that meant? Because vocation's a big word for a lot of people, especially a, a kid. Um, I think she meant it in like, you could be a priest. I think, yeah. I think it was her way of encouraging. I know it was her way of encouraging me to think about the priesthood yeah. and, um, had I become a husband and father, I think she would have been very happy about that, you know? And, and, yeah. but uh, I think that was her way of telling me she saw something in me that, that could yeah. be, uh, a vocation to, to the priesthood. Cause I, I showed up, you know, for prayer group and yeah. during recess time, sometimes I go in and pray in the chapel and. Mm. And once I learned we had daily mass, I was like, wow, there's daily mass. And um, and the priests there and the sisters, like, I, I couldn't say at a young age, like, I, I want to be a priest. Um, but they, they were interesting. Yeah. And um, it, it, was, it was interesting. And I remember, like, okay, what's the priest do? You know, like, he's 
prays a lot and he's kind to people, you know. Hopefully. I would, I would like <laughs> <laughs> these guys were. Um I, I always had excellent, yeah. excellent uh experience of, of clergy and sisters my whole life. You know, I, I always defend them when people say, Oh, sister, you know what the I Yeah. In my experience, that was the opposite. They were so good to us. And um but uh so yeah, it, it, it maybe it planted the seed of curiosity in my mind about simultaneously religious life and and orders. Um yeah, I just look back. What what a great what a great grace that was. What a great time. I had no idea what was happening, you know, in those 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 years. But uh and it was a great school. Your know, first Friday mass, monthly confessions. It was really a, a sacralized. It was a you know, charged with grace school. So I I think that's kind of the the you know, my family, we were, you know, we never missed mass and my mom did adoration. So it was, it was a package, you know, home life. And, but, uh, so I'm very grateful for that. That, that was the, the biggest gift was, was going to this school at a young age, um, made a huge difference. And uh, yeah, but I'm sure she was praying for me, but in high school, like, sports was kind of the thing. Um, athletics was very important to me. If you'd asked me like what I want to be known as, you know, it's like, I want to be known as a great athlete, you know? And number two was like, I wanted to be known as like a guy who can tell jokes and make people laugh. And, but like, number one was, and so I really pursued that like athletics and I ran cross country, which no one believes now. Cause I'm kind of fat, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, no. but I, I was, I was good. I had, I had a talent for it and I was really into it. And I, you know, I'd won the county championships in in Washington County, Maryland, which was a, a cross country hotbed in Maryland. Yeah. And uh, been all all league and all that, and made the states, and that was really important to me. And I would kind of live or die by like my success or, or failures in in track meets and stuff like that. And we had a really good team. Um, and but that sort of you know in like an immature way nourished nourished my faith in in two ways. I went to daily mass before a big race, you know, in like a selfish kind of prayerful way, like, sure. God, bless me, <laughs> bless my <laughs> desires, give me what I want, you know, my kingdom come. <laughs> but I, I think that, and I think that's how most young people probably pray, you know, that's how, that's how I prayed, like, you know, Lord, here's my desires, ask and you shall receive kind of stuff, which right. is a part of the spiritual life is, you know, making known our needs to the Lord. But that was like the whole of it, you know, and I think at the stage of, of maturity in the spiritual life, but that was like, okay, so I understood the Lord desires to give gifts and I was entreating him on that. And, and also, I, um, I know you were an athlete in high school, you played football. You told me one time I did. And, uh, so you probably might, might share this, but understanding, you know, that suffering and like, and like running's a sport where like you kind of put yourself into suffering, understanding that suffering has power. Um, I couldn't have have said that when I was 18, but I kind of was starting to get that. Okay, suffering and joy and power kind of all baked into each other. And, you know, the Paschal mystery kind of has these elements of, okay, suffering, death, new life, resurrection. And I think running kind of gave me that. And um, Well, it's a good enough example for St. Paul, yeah. right? I did not speak as one who was finish the race but uh you know i mean he's constantly in his letters talking about running um someone that when at, at, at lords a few years ago where the cardinal came to bless the new athletic center and uh read the from the blessing where paul talks about shadow boxing and that was very impressive to somebody he said what did saint paul know about shadow boxing 
<laughs> but yeah, running that's so that's a good analogy. Lewis got yeah. the Cardinal to come. Oh yeah, Maria Regina. I'm blessing their stadium. Okay. <laughs> on uh, on Sunday, I'm using the same ritual the, yeah. uh, from the Book of Blessings. So I won't tell them that that the Lord's got the Cardinal. Just say, well, he he sent you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I was reading the same reading because in yeah. the ritual there for the, the right, blessing right. of athletic fields. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, uh, perfect imagery. You know, runners to win the runners in the stadium. Mm. Um, so it's it, striking that that just you know not to go too far afield here, but um, during Lent, right? Is that not every uh, Sunday evening prayer where usually it's a different reading? I think that's. The reading about the the athlete's um, discipline and penance, building up towards Easter. Yeah, good good pickup. I wouldn't have uh, connected that. So that was kind of my high school. Yeah, you know, I was I, I went to mass, and if you would have pressed me, I probably would have said I'm a Catholic, but it mm. wouldn't have been something at the front of my existence. And um, there were I, I knew a lot of guys. Um, you know. Young Life was like a popular club in Maryland for, you know, like an ecumenical kind of Christian group. And I showed up for that occasionally. And I did go on a very good confirmation retreat for my parish, St. Anne's in Hagerstown. It was like a weekend. It was like a three-day retreat. It was mm. like an encounter oh, wow. retreat. And looking back, it's like, wow, what a gift that was because I, I haven't heard of many parishes doing that. Um, but that was an awesome retreat with very deep, good, good leadership for the adults who were involved there. And yeah, I look back, that was a great, great. So I was given so much, you know, like um, I was given a lot for to develop my faith at a young age and didn't do a whole lot with it in high school. Um, well, I wasn't like a jerk. I mean, I was, kind, I was kind of a jerk, but I wasn't like a terrible person. I was just like, you know, I was happy to like not stand out except for like, yeah. you know, athletics. And, um, and I, uh, I got, I got the, um, I got an idea that I could go to West Point. And uh, so I pursued that, and it's a very long process to to apply to that. You have to get a nomination from a congressperson too, oh, wow. and um, so I. And there's lots of interviews. I think it was like, like I think I had three or four interviews. This is going back I'm 17 years old, um, and so it was a really tough process. And along the way, you kind of. In, in in soft ways, commit that you're going to go. Like so, when you're at West Point, you know they'll ask you questions, and so I realized, like along the way, I've, I've committed to going. I didn't have like a like we make vows, you know, like right. you stand before you know the in my case the provincial receiving your vows on behalf of the of the church and the Lord, and it wasn't like a moment. But along the way, I, got, I said, well, I guess I'm going to go if I get in, and and I did. So I was 18. This is May of 2001. I'm getting ready to go to West Point. That's how I came to New York, actually. Um, that's kind of how I first came to the state. Um, and your first your first day, um, they give you all your clothing that you need for their, you know, the athletic, like, like, like gym clothes and the, the uniforms and stuff. And it's called Beast Cadet Basic Training. And they also give you a cadet Bible, which is like a big tradition. Hmm. And this is before the advent of like cell phones. This is 2001. And uh, so all I had pretty much to entertain myself was this Bible. Uh, you can't, you can't have like outside things, you know? Okay. So it was pretty much, so I read the gospels that summer, 18 years old, 
profound impact on my life. Mm. Um, and I kind of give that as a penance most times to like teenagers, yeah. like, hey, why don't you try reading, you know, the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke? Because I know for me, it was like so huge. And, and once I read the Gospels, I saw the Lord everywhere. Um, and the words that Jesus said 2,000 years ago to people he knew in the Middle East, in Israel, he was saying to me in 2001, 18 years, and it was like exactly, I know that you know what I'm talking about because oh, this yeah. is how the, the word of God is. It was exactly what I needed to hear. And it wasn't about the Middle East or the first centuries, about my life. And that just kind of, and everything was preparation for that. Like it was all the Lord putting all the, the straw, you know, in, in my little, uh, in my little, you know, box, right. It just kind of light a, a little match. And mm. so th th that was huge. Um, reading the gospels. And then I went on some retreats and, uh, another kind of like immature, silly thing is there's also daily mass at West point. And at West point, you have to get up early. It's like a whole ritual, but you have two options. The first, everyone knows, you go to formation and they'll look at your shoes and your belt to make sure everything's shiny and looking right and all that. And they haze you, of course, and they'll find things wrong with you. And they'll quiz you. on It's all part of the process of being a plebe. And, but there's a second option that's not well known or advertised. You can go to daily mass at the chaplain's office. Oh, wow. So I was telling everybody I knew. We were packing the house. Yeah. My roommates went Jewish. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Protestant. And they're like, this is a great deal. Afterwards, the chaplain has a little breakfast for, you know, coffee and some yeah. Pop-Tarts and stuff. And you can talk with the chaplain. It was really good ministry, actually. Um, yeah. Chaplain Edson Wood, an Augustinian mm. friar, God rest him, died in 2014. But uh, awesome. That, that was a, another great blessing to have that so accessible to me. I didn't have to drive. It was like in my my dorm, my barracks, you know, I just kind of walked down with my, my buddies, went to daily mass. So that, I think, even though I was going for like, you know, not bad reasons, but like half-hearted reasons, yeah. I think the Lord's, maybe that's a pattern in my life. The Lord takes all my half-hearted efforts, yeah. gives me his full heart and like breadcrumbs me along. Yeah, you know? he and, knows what we need. To get totally. us to, you know, make it because it's still, it's, it was still your choice. He didn't force you to go. That's right. But he, he made it appealing to you. <laughs> and he put me in a situation where it was pretty easy. It didn't take much effort, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, um, and so this is also the time around 9 11 had just occurred when I was a freshman, a plebe. And uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't say I had like tremendous foresight, but I was kind of, the way they were talking, I was getting the impression this is going to change the army and the world for a long time. It's not going to be like a, a limited conflict. And it gave me pause, you know, okay, you know, what's the Lord? Call? I didn't really make a choice to come there. I mean, I, along the way, I kind of said I was going to go, but I was like, I don't know about this. I got to think about this and pray about this. And um, what is the Lord asking of me in this moment? And at the time, I was reading a ton about St. Francis of Assisi. Okay who is, I believe, the second most biographied person in history. Really? Behind Jesus. And so there's like a million biographies. And my mom was sending me, I had read St. Augustine's Confessions. Mm -hmm. um, and I understood about a third of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that third, as, at you know, 18, 19, had an impression on me. And I was like, okay, well, the Lord is, is starting to get a hold of me here and starting to change my heart. And I'm, I'm starting to see things in a new way. And I asked my mother to send me 
this is like before Amazon and all that stuff. You can just get things instantly. I asked my mom, can you send me books about saints or by saints? And she had sent me Louis de Montfort's mm. a book about him. She had sent me a book about St. Francis of Assisi. And maybe it was just the two books. Yeah, I think it was just, it was just the, it was the third, I thought. Maybe it was like St. John of the Cross, um, Dark Knight of the Soul. I can't remember. I didn't read that one at any rate. But I read the, Louis de Montfort first. Good book. Um, Great Marian Devotion. And then I read, I was like, oh, St. Francis. I know he's like the animal guy and <laughs> often statued in bird baths. Yeah. Knew nothing uh -huh. about him. And I read this biography. I was like, whoa. It was by Jorgensen. It's one of like the more chronological, like historical biographies. Mm -hmm. It's another great one by Julian Green. It's like the essence of the man and, and it, what he did and how the Lord worked with him. And also Chesterton's version is like the one I recommend most, 100 pages. It's really short, but it's like the marrow you know, okay. of, of Francis, but I read the Jorgensen one and it, it, even though all those like mostly dates and things like that, it, I was like, okay, there's something here. And the Lord is, and he himself had wanted to be a soldier and he was a soldier for a very brief period of time. I think one day Oh, wow. and then he was captured. So he like, wasn't that good. Um, but, uh, so all of a sudden I'm seeing, it's, it's like, you know, you know how the Lord is. He puts it right in front of you, you know, a man who wants to be a soldier and the Lord showing him another way. Um, and then I had met the Capuchins at that time because Brother Carlos Hernandez, who's my, my guardian currently at uh, St. Lawrence in Beacon, he works at West Point. He works in campus ministry. And he, at the time, was volunteering and helping with the retreats. And so I went on a few retreats at CYFM, where I, I now serve, Capuchin Youth and Family Ministries. And retreats have been a big part of my life. Uh, probably you've for you the same. It's just so important to have moments to consolidate grace. I think that's what a retreat is. Oh, I like that. You I'm know, steal that. It stolen. I, <laughs> I stole from somebody else, so yeah. I'll pass it on. But I think you got to have those moments. You know, mm -hmm. like I'm ready for a retreat now because the summer has been so good. Yeah. And I, I can't just be like, okay, what's the next thing coming into the fall? What do we got? I, I need a moment to like pause and say, okay, like the Lord has given me so much. I, I want to just give gratitude to God and kind of say, mm -hmm. okay, well what's been given to me and things have been given for a reason. And now how am I to use the graces? So sort of like the Avengers at the end of the movie when they're sitting around <laughs> eating shawarma, no one's talking. They're just kind of staring like what just happened, this incredible struggle that we just had. But in the end, goodness won the day. And uh, I'm just coming up with this analogy right now on the spot. So it's flawed, but I think there's something to that about a retreat. And I want to make a little side commercial out of that, you know, for, for making a retreat. Um, and there's so many good uh, opportunities, right? I, the work that you do, CYFM, uh, there, if a young guy is thinking about the priesthood, the, the cathedral prep weekends, those things that we can do. Um, a lot of parishes have just more info. If they themselves don't do something, they know who does. Um, to kind of like life is like that, you know, intergalactic, you know, uh, superhero battle in Avengers. And at the end of the day, sitting around, you know, eating shawarma and just thinking what just happened, <laughs> you know, we need to process it. And yeah, I do love shawarma. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, and I'm not just consolidate <laughs> graces, but to like receive graces too. Yeah. Like, man. That first retreat I went on, I was maybe 19, 18 years old at, at West Point. Well, actually, the one I went to in um, Confirmation at St. Anne's was really, really good. And mm. But um, I think I was ready at like 19, 18 to really 
I was an adult, you know, yeah. I was a, a young man and before I was a child and I was ready to, for an adult faith. And that retreat was a huge step for me becoming, you know, moving from a child's faith to a young man's faith. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll plug retreats with you. That, that's so important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm at the Academy. <laughs> there I was at the Academy and, uh, I was, a, I was a, at this point. I was a sophomore, and I had a roommate who was Latter Day Saints. Okay. And I always defend them. People make fun of them because I've known a couple of them. They've been outstanding men. Um, outstanding. I knew a couple of them at West Point. Um, they're doing something right in their faith because the, the impressive guys. And he had shared with me that he was planning on going to a, a mission trip, which is part of their faith. I think so when they hit like twenty or twenty-one, they they receive a mission. And they might go for two years to Texas or to Bahrain or wherever. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what part of their faith. They have this great missionary zeal and spirit, you know, for, for sharing their faith. And I wish we had a little more of that, you know, yeah. as Catholics. And right. we have the tools, certainly, in the history. You know, I'm, I'm part of a missionary order. And um, But anyway, he inspired me. I said, well, I didn't know you could leave. Because <laughs> his plan was to leave after he finished his sophomore year, do two years of mission, and then come back. And finish oh, wow. at West Point. And I was like, all right, so if the Mormons can leave, they gotta let the Catholics leave for <laughs> it, it wouldn't be fair, you know? Right. And, and so I I pursued, I talked to him a little bit. I got you know who to talk to about this mission idea. And I, you know, I, I went through the process of you have to out-process, they call it. And um, and part of the out-processing, they give you they they tell you what's going on a little bit because they've made an investment in you. They want to be, yeah. you know, and significant investment. And they say, I was told, Eric, 95% of, of Latter-day Saints who leave come back. Less than 10% of Catholics and other Christians who leave come back. And I said, I'll take my chances, you know, because I, I felt like the Lord was calling me to something. Because mm. with St. Francis, you know, showing up in my life and, you know, coming into this new faith. And uh, so I, I had volunteered at CYFM, which is right across the river in Garrison. Right. They have a youth ministry program. They still have it. I'm a big part of it. And Father Fred and um, CLASP is a, a function of that. And our, our work in Kentucky and our, our summer outreach week, our summer programs. So um, I was a volunteer for the whole year. And we did about maybe 50 retreats that year for young people and, and events like that. So awesome, awesome year. Blessed year. I had a great, I lived in community. I pray. It was my first experience mm -hmm. of living and praying in community. So that, again, gave me another taste of religious life. And I was so impressed with the Capuchins that I met. Um, my impression of them, and, and still kind of is, these guys can do anything. Um, and that's not a Capuchin thing. That's a Holy Spirit thing. Right. But I, I saw it active in them. The church can do anything, you know, when we're, when we're the body of Christ, as we're called to be. But I just saw these guys doing amazing things. Um, and. And hearing their stories and learning about the history of the Capuchin saints, you know, Padre Pio, Solanus, Felix, all these, all these guys. Um, so that was very attractive to me. And I, I, at some point I put together, if you want to be like them, you have to join them. You know, that, sure. that, at some point it took me a little bit, but I put that together finally. So this is going back. I was a Cap Corps volunteer. Um, and I was 2003, 2004. Then I went to University of Scranton. I finished my undergrad and then joined the order after that. And um, around that time, my uh, my dad passed away, which was the most painful time in my life. You know, that was a that was really tough for my my whole family. Um, 
I'm so happy I had my faith and understanding that, you know, uh, this is new life. Um, the death, the Lord has touched death on the cross and the things the Lord touches, he transforms, mm. you know, bread and wine, sick people. And when he touches death, he transforms it into a door into new life. And um, so I, again, my dad, my dad happened to die on Easter Sunday that year too. Oh, wow. So again, the Lord is like putting it in my face. What you know, a day. Like, um, so. I, if, I, we, if we could choose the day we go home, right? That, wow. So praise God. Like I said, the Lord's made it obvious to me. When I talk to God, I say, if you want me to do something, you have to tell me, you know, um, I'm, I'm not the kind of person who's gonna like search, you know, like, if you want me to do something, you gotta tell me, I'll do it. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. I, I'm committed to this and I know you love me. And so that was the thing, like my, the Lord saying, I got your dad. And, uh, I joined the order about a year after that. Um, I had a, a, a brief dalliance at Catholic University of America. Okay. I, uh, I wanted to be a scripture scholar for a minute. Yeah. And so I, first semester I took Greek, um, Syriac, and Hebrew. Oh. And then I decided I didn't want to be a scripture scholar anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of work. Oh, my gosh. Tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous. Uh, and people who do this professionally, uh, so, so grateful to them because the amount of work that goes into like a paragraph of commentary, I see, yeah. like the Sacrapagina and the um, Anchor Bibles. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm aware of the effort that these people are giving. But uh, it was a great year. And there happened to be a capuchin on the faculty there, Regis Armstrong. So it was another kind of little sign the Lord was encouraging me to apply to the order as a postulant. So that, uh, that takes me to postulancy. That, that's the term for like a, someone who's I guess like a junior, vers a junior varsity friar. You're not quite okay. a friar. You're not quite a friar yet, right? Um, sort get, of asking the question. That's precisely right. the word. Yeah, nice, nice job. Oh, thank you. Postulate means to ask, as you astutely uh, said. And you're, so you're asking, and the community's asking, and maybe the Lord's asking yeah. too. <laughs> is this the vocation? Is, is this it? And uh, it's kind of easy to skate through on on encouragement. Mm -hmm. You know, you, everyone's in very family, your friends, the church, you know, the Lord knows we need um, religious and priests and, and leaders and catech, you know, people that, you know, people like us that, that do what we do and, and serve. Um, so you can kind of skate through on like encouragement from people. And I think I kind of dodged the question, you know, the, nothing else matters unless Jesus has asked me to be a Capuchin Franciscan friar. And I was given three years to discern that and did not discern it very well. Mm. I got involved in good stuff, ministries, and had some fun and, um, you know, went, went to Boston College for studies there for, for our theolo theology studies. And all of a sudden, you know, my class is submitting like the like a official statement of request for their solemn profession. And I'm like not doing it. I'm like, things are going great. But I realized I hadn't hadn't done the work and um i it, it was humbling you know that i just kind of blew it and i, I and i said i, I was kind of dodging because i think canonically at that time the canon law might have changed on this but i think canonically you had five years of simple vows like maximum so i was kind of thinking well i got five years and a three-year minimum so like that that's kind of your window 
no one ever said you have five years. They just said you're eligible after three years of, of simple vows to make your solemn profession. And so I was kind of thinking, yeah, maybe I'll take four, maybe I'll take five. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. And I, I told that plan to our director of formation. I said, you know, I'd like to go to Sacred Heart, our school in Yonkers, maybe teach there for a year, really, you know, immerse myself in Capuchin life and give myself more information. And he said, no, <laughs> you will, I'll grant you another year, you know, a fourth year, which is unusual. Mm. You know, if you can't figure it out, it's actually five years at this point because postulant and senovitiate and then three years after that time period. And if you can't figure it out by then, you will leave the order. <laughs> um, and I said, Okay. okay. I, thank God for that. I was mad, you know, yeah. of course, hearing that because that was not my plan. I had a great plan, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I was upset at first, but he was totally right. Mm. And looking back, I, I, uh, I got frustrated a lot with formation. They, they were so right. And I know if I'm ever asked to serve in formation, I'll probably receive the exact same treatment that we, we got along great. But I just remember thinking like I knew better sometimes. Yeah. And, um, uh, well, what's that old saying? Like, um, it's amazing how much my dad has learned between, you know, <laughs> since I was 18 and uh, 25, or, I don't know, uh, yeah. paraphrasing it, but. I, I was so stupid. Um, I was shocked to learn that members of a religious order that dates back to St. Francis, you know, didn't know how to form men. You know, I was just kind of right, like, right. Kids, you know, of course they knew how to form men. We've been forming saints, you know, for, for centuries and uh, uh, my arrogance at that time. And there was, there was a moment um, that uh, I, I was unhappy and like nothing bad happened. I didn't like, you know, I didn't fail a class. I didn't, you know, nothing bad happened or anything. There's a moment where I found myself just not happy. And I think I had ridden like the enthusiasm, like, oh, wow. And maybe people who date have a similar kind of trajectory, like the enthusiasm of a new relationship and, okay, we're getting married, you know, and, and everyone's encouraging you. And there's so many graces in the initial fire of, of those things, the, the heat, the emotion of it. And then maybe you're married three, four years and, and you need to consolidate some grace, mm. you know? And, and so I was, you know, my fifth year and I, I said to God, I'm unhappy. Um, if you've called me to be unhappy, I don't think I don't I don't think you've called me to be unhappy, but I am unhappy. So if you want this to work, you got to get real. And the Lord responded to me, "If you want this to work, mm. you got to get real." And I I'd been showing up for prayers. I was present physically, but I was kind of you know just my heart wasn't in it. Yeah. I was just sort of a uh, and it must have been tough for my formators because. On the surface, everything was fine, you know, like getting good grades, doing fine and ministerially, you know, good recommendations from people. But I just kind of lacked the essential thing, you know, the, the the knowing the answer that the Lord has called me to this life and to admit that and to profess that. So that year was a, a great blessing. And that year I also had an opportunity to um, to get a licentiate STL from, mm -hmm. from Boston College Ecclesial Faculty in Ethics which I only mentioned because uh, that ended up being the doorway to a lot of ministry. Um, I taught a seminary for my first two years when I was at St. Uh, St. Pius X in Connecticut. There was a seminary okay. five miles away in Cromwell. And one of the sisters who learned, uh, Franciscan sister of the Eucharist in Meriden, Connecticut, learned I had the SDL. She actually said, we need an ethics person right now. So I taught bioethics you know, on the side at the parish. 
And then I ended up teaching homiletics. Oh, wow. Um, which I also teach now in the diaconate program for the archdiocese. So just a, my own like failure to discern my vocation in five years led to this, you know, this credential that ended up opening more doors to what God wants to do with me. Um, yeah, most of the good things in my life have happened like in spite of me, you know, <laughs> um, like I, I, my first assignments, you know, St. Pius, I didn't want to go there. Uh, one of my heroes in the order, Father Martin Curtin was at Long Island. It was a bilingual parish. I was like, I want to walk, I want to work with Marty and work on my Spanish. And they're like, no, you're going to St. Pius. And I'm like, okay, I loved it. Yeah. St. Pius was awesome. I'm sure the way you feel about St. Columba is how I feel about St. Pius. It was yeah. just so beautiful. Um, great first experience. And then coming here, they said, well, you know, CYFM, we need, we need someone there to serve with youth and families in Hudson Valley. And I said, I want to stay at St. Pius. <laughs> <laughs> and I came here. It's been awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I guess this is what I was kind of thinking about on the way here. Um, that I was kind of like, what, what, what's, wor what's worthy of being shared for people listening to this? My expectations of God and my religious life were so low <laughs> Uh, I'm just now understanding like the vision that God is giving me in my life. If you would ask me maybe four years ago, I, if I, I'm ordained uh, seven years now. If you'd asked me seven years ago, you know, hey, what would you really hope for your life as as a priest, as a Capuchin? I would have said, you know, I, I'd love to be a, a great preacher and a great confessor. I'd love to be a good religious, a person who prays and serves the Lord. I look back and think, those are good things, but man, the Lord has just opened worlds to me, yeah. you know, and, and, and <laughs> it's good to preach well. It's good to, you know, be a good confessor and it's good to pray, but I just, the Lord has so much, he showed me like little glimpses occasionally of, of, of just the kingdom of heaven and, and to dwell in the kingdom and to, to invite people, you know, through us into the kingdom is just, my heart's been full, especially after this kind of great summer we've had in Kentucky, mm -hmm. our service week class. My heart is totally full. Um, you ever feel like your heart's too full sometimes, yes. you know? Yes. Um, so that's kind of where I'm that's at right now. Burst. I feel that way. And uh, praise God. It, uh, it, all in spite of me, you know? Right. I, I kind of get Jonah. Right. I was going to say, <laughs> this is a perfect connection. Maybe that's part of the great success of Jonah and the prophets. I you get know? him. I, I get Jonah. Jonah. That is planned, and but God, God wins the day. Oh, beautiful! What a great story, Father Eric. Thank you so much for for sharing all that with us, giving us a you know a window into into your life and the ways in which God can work in ours. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, I so a question I like to ask our guests is: um, so you you're a priest, and and as you just mentioned, you've been a priest now for seven years. I know from, I mean, even in my first couple of weeks as a priest, I could have written a book, <laughs> you know, and it's just uh, this adventure that unfolds and um, so many things that happen, but there are those moments that really stand out to us. And so I wonder if you have one that, that you'd be willing to share, um, some moment from your priestly ministry, something that that's remarkable to you and, and, uh, and, and is worth sharing. I'll just share the first one that comes to my head. Like yeah. you said, there, there could be. There's probably, we are a legion. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's thousands. Um, but just this past summer, we had gone to Kentucky, which we had done for about 30 years consecutively until 2020. 
And so we were really hoping to get back. We have a lot of friends down there. Mm -hmm. We've been serving with in the community there in Harlan County and Holy Trinity Parish. So we were really happy to get back there. And I was serving on the Vacation Bible School team. And we had about uh, five or six of our volunteers and about seven of their volunteers working together. An exhausting day. My heart was so full. Kids are so cute, you know. They yeah. come up, they give you a hug for no reason, you know. Right, it's just right. You must become like little children. Yes. I get it. You yeah. Know? And uh, I was just, I, I needed like a little like five minute break, you know. I, I was kind of like the co-leader of this thing, myself and, and Leah Hollins, one of the other uh, leaders from Harlan. And I just needed like a little five minute, like put my head down for a minute before starting to get things wrapped up. And I'm just, I'm laying in my like, like a cot, you know, <laughs> and I just think this is it. Like this is the kingdom. And to rest in the kingdom and to live in a, a world where the kingdom of heaven and earth have kind of blurry boundaries sometimes. And I was just resting. It's like, well, this is it. The rest of the Lord, um, to rest in God, to work in the vineyard and to rest. And I just it just hit me. This is the goal. <laughs> what I'm experiencing now, it's, you know, this is the Lord is 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 with us here, and this is the goal. And that was one little consolidation of grace that mm. the, the, the kingdom is is here and we're not far from the kingdom and and uh i thank god for those moments so good and amazing how kids can help us see that too right the simplicity there that just there's so much i'm sure to those those service uh, efforts that you do in kentucky but there's a reason you bring up the joy that comes from the little kid coming over, right? And uh, just help us to see with that simplicity of heart, um, God, you are so good and you're giving me everything I need and more. And just to rest in that is so good. Maybe maybe our culture is suffering from like a lack of rest because mm. it's in that resting that I realized that, you yeah. know, and had I just started the next thing, I, I wouldn't have, I guess it's like the phrase, consolidated that grace. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, uh, precisely, yeah, even in priesthood, right? That's something that is uh, a huge problem for us. The uh, And myself, you know, I put myself right up front of that of that cue um, that uh, the, the activism into which we can fall where we think, well, I have to do this and do that and, do, and just constantly be doing in order to be worthy, in order to be good enough. And uh, meanwhile, God is saying, you know, and uh, actually, I, this is something I haven't thought about it now in a, a year or so, but a retreat that I went on about a year or so ago, this moment of sheer grace, right, of having been in that mode of activism and mm. my worth will come from what I can do and and just going up into the mountains <laughs> up in the in this beautiful beautiful place the Bethlehem monastery the sisters up there in Livingston Manor and mm. being completely alone in this little hermitage and hearing the voice of the father saying to me stop let me be your father let me take care of it okay <laughs> i'm going to you know i who am called father need to work on being a son and receiving and just being boy. Oh boy. That's good. So beautiful. Father Eric, thank you so much. Um, one last question. Well, and then, and then one request. So the question before the request, you've got a young man before you. Um, 
he said, Father, I, you know, I've been, I've been praying. I've been I, uh, something stirring here. I'm not quite sure what to do with it, but I'm kind of thinking about being a priest. What's your advice? What What do you tell him? Well, um, hey, one thing's hard. I mean, I, I might offer a, a couple little things. Oh, sure, please. I think the number one thing is praying. That's how we hear God's voice and discern. And the Lord can break through, even if we're you know not praying. But I think prayer does avail us to hear God. So that's number one: is you know pray, talk to God, you know sacramental kind of things. Right. Number two, I think maybe the less intuitive one is. Um, I know you'll agree with me with this, having a spiritual director, really essential. Um, someone who can see things that you can't see maybe and, and kind of help you, you know, curate the, the, the call, the vocation you might have. I would say those two things would be a good step for a young person who's thinking about religious life or priesthood. Great. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we it's kind of. Uh, Obvious, I guess, but not really, obvious. though. Maybe in theory, but in practice, it's hard for us to actually commit to those things. And to, you know, how many times we find ourselves even falling into uh, talking about praying, you know, or spent we can spend forever setting up the, the prayer corner in a room, you know, with just the right amount of saint pictures and the crucifix and the, <laughs> the Bible. And you no, know, it's got to be slightly askew to complete the aesthetic here. And, and, you know, I'm going to eventually use, this is where I'm going to pray. This is what, meanwhile, God is standing there going, hello, talk to me. <laughs> you know? That's a great point. Um, That's a great point. We take it for granted. Can I add a little something to that? Please, you spark, please. You sparked something to me. I, I think up until recently, I thought a vocation was something that the Lord called you to. Like, oh, here it is, you know, Capuchin, religious life, priesthood. I'm, I don't think it's that's the, that's the way. I think it's the Lord desires to be close to us. Right. And when you're praying and when you go on retreats and when you receive sacraments, you are achieving the goal, right. you know, and, and it's not like, oh, well, in, in 2015, I got my vocation, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, like the Lord was totally, you know, working with me the whole time that my vocation in, when I was a teenager was what it was. And now it's what, and I hope the Lord continues to lead me through and there's monuments, mm -hmm. you know, there's Ebenezer's and things along the way that, you know, Mark and, but I, I think, the, all right. So, if in 2015 I made my final vows and was ordained, okay, was that my vocation? Is, am I in it? Well, well, yes and no. I'm, the Lord's continuing to lead me into right. greater love and to make me into an icon. Of and, and isn't that just it? That all, we have these individual vocations, priesthood, marriage, religious life. Um, but this is what's just so incredible to me. Each and every one of us who have breath in our lungs shares the the exact same vocation ultimately to be a saint to be holy and yeah. that's just people find that I, you get an eye roll or you get a you know yeah but but no no buts right because what does that mean going to heaven first you got to die then you got to go to heaven we're all going to die and we all can go to heaven it's so much easier than you know it just Live a life of kindness, of mercy, uh, of responding to the call at every moment, you know, best you can with God's grace to to do what he's asking you to do. One of my favorite books, um, and I wonder, 
I'm, I'm sure you've read it too. Um, abandonment to divine providence. Uh, it was something my spiritual director in the seminary recommended, and um, and it, it, what what a wise man he he is to have recommended that to me. Because again, here I was like thinking, you know, what what do I have to do to get to holiness? How do I like mm. like a wax poetic about what it is to be a saint, you know? And um, how am I going to get there? What do I have to do? What can I do? Do do do? And uh, Father Saldana, who if you know him, you know he has a very uh, just matter-of-fact way of putting things, you know, and his very calming, um, almost regal sort of uh, Mexican accent, you know. Wow. He's all right, so <laughs> here's a good book for you to read, and uh, we'll talk about it. So I read it, and it's a very, very short little thing. And Who's the but, author? Uh, Jean-Pierre de Gassade, I think. See a Jesuit? I'm not sure now. Uh, anyway, this this great spiritual writer and the main thrust of the book. I mean, spoiler alert, but it it's not a spoiler alert. You still read it. Is um, you want to be holy? Do what God's asking you to do right now. You know. So in other words, sinks full of dishes. Wash the dishes, and don't grumble about it. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, just do that. And guess what? You'll be holy. So anyway, this that major beautiful? digression. The Lord has built into every human life a path mm. to him. Like yeah. every – how cool is that? Yeah. God has created – whether you're in Honduras, Kenya, Mozambique, Nepal, there's dishes there in every sink yes. <laughs> for you to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Gosh. Oh, here I go again. That, that was not an intentional Father Mike Schmidt's impression. But <laughs> I get it now because we are constantly, you know, pondering these amazing things, right? How can we respond but just let it out? Gosh, man, oh, man. God is so good. We should be enthusiastic about our faith. Yeah. Well, that certainly comes across um, to anyone who spends time with you, Father Eric. Thank you for your enthusiasm, your, your, your encouragement, and um, just your – your presence is uh, that's if I can, you know, not uh, get all mushy here or anything, but you're a very encouraging person just hanging out with you. You know, it's like um, challenging might be another word, too, but that could have a different <laughs> connotation, right? You're laughing because of the way it could come. But, a lot of the friars would but, agree. But uh, no, <laughs> you feel kind of challenged in a good way. Like, yeah, you know what? There's a man who, who loves the Lord and, 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 and darn it, so do I. And I, I, I need to show that more and more. So thanks for that. Thanks for saying that. I mean, in our life, we have nothing to lose. Right. You know, we have no, we've already given it up. Yeah, it's gone. Bye-bye. <laughs> and so we're in a beautiful <laughs> spot just to, to share what we can and to use the gifts God has given us. Yeah. So I mentioned a request. Here it oh, is. Yeah. Um, as we close this great episode, um, Father, would you please impart to us your priestly blessing? I surely will. In the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord continue to form you into an icon of his Son's mercy and goodness. May those who see you see the face of Jesus. May those who hear your words hear his voice of love and goodness and beauty. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to Casting the Net. Please help us spread the joy of the priesthood by liking, subscribing to, and sharing this podcast. Most importantly, please pray for your priests and future priests. Thank you.